ordinary people empowered by the Spirit to witness to the Lord Jesus. This is the Acts of the Apostles. For more information, go to carolinesprings.church. And so today is Albert, Albert's first sermon to you guys. But to be honest, it's not his first sermon to me because he's preached the gospel to me week in, week out for the past 12 months. And so it's my great privilege to invite Albert to the stage. Um, And I'm going to pray for him. But I'm just really excited to see exactly what God has been sharing and putting on his heart and how he can encourage you with the gospel. Albert, do you want to get on the stage and I'll, I'll pray for you, man? Father, we just thank you for Albert. We thank you that you have saved him. We thank you that you love him. And we thank you that you've kept stirring his affections for you so that his joy is found in Jesus. Father, we thank you that that joy is contagious. And we pray this morning that we get a little bit of it, that we get the joy that Albert has deep in his heart. We pray that what you've been pressing onto his heart this morning, what you've been sharing with him from the word, that he can encourage us to go and make all of life all about Jesus all the time. Uh, We just pray that you strengthen him, that you fill him with your spirit to attest to the lordship of Jesus, that Albert, an ordinary man, will be empowered by the spirit to witness to Jesus. And we pray this in your name, knowing that you have set us free, you have made us sons and daughters, and that Albert is counted amongst that. Amen. Go and preach the gospel, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Jimmy. So many beautiful faces this morning. Daylight savings didn't win this one. Praise God. All right, so as Simon was saying, we'll be continuing in, the, in our journey through the book of Acts this morning. And the sort of meta theme of the book of Acts is that they're ordinary people empowered by the Spirit to witness to Jesus. And recently we've been seeing a shift in the book of Acts. From We see that the, in the beginning... The gospel is preached more to the Jews, and then recently we see it preached spreading to the Gentiles. We also see that from this point, Acts chapter 13, previously it's been focused on the ministry of Peter, and now from this chapter onwards, it's Paul's ministry of God working through Paul to minister to the Gentiles. And so now we find ourselves in Acts chapter 13. Uh, where Paul and Barnabas are, are setting off on their first missionary journey to Cyprus, which happens to be Barnabas's hometown. And so he goes to his own people, and they preach literally from the east to the west of Cyprus. We don't have a map. All good. Um, so the eastern point to the western point of Cyprus. And from sort of what we see from this is that they're not having the best time. Um, as we see in the other other missions, they sort of talk about how the Many believers are added to the kingdom and they're all full of joy and everyone loves them. But here, only one person is converted or is recorded to have been converted and they're faced with sharp opposition by this guy named Bar-Jesus or Elimas, how they have many names. And, so, and we also see this because when they leave Cyprus, John leaves them. And it's not just sort of like he's got some stuff to do. In Acts chapter 15, we saw that it's compared to desertion, like he, he deserted them. And so this is a pretty big thing. But now they leave Cyprus and they go to Antioch, which is a different Antioch from where they started. Otherwise, it'd be a pretty pointless journey. So they're in Antioch and they go sit in a synagogue. And this is Paul's first sermon, by the way. He probably sounds nothing like I probably sound like. 
And so he stands up and motions with his hands and says, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then those people asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus. As he promised before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and God-freeing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that I've read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And I'll stop there. And so this is Paul's first sermon. And at a first glance, it sort of looks like your typical Jewish sermon. Not because it's a Jewish guy that says it, but they just, they just love to start, not from Jesus or Mary, but like right in the beginning. Um, Stephen does it, Peter does it, Paul loves to do it. And so anyways, there, there are two things I want us to take away from this sermon this morning. And the first one is that this story is God's. God is in every verse in this, almost every verse of this sermon. It is God who chose Israel, God who made them great in Egypt. God took them out of Egypt, put up with them in the wilderness. God gave them land. God gave them judges. God gave them kings both Saul and David, and from David, God has given them a savior, Jesus. And so we, f- and so we find that the whole, of his- the whole of the history of Israel and the history of the rest of the world, rest of the world orbits around God. And that's because he's written it. It's, about, it's, it's his story. Colossians 1.17, I don't know if you have it, it says, and he is before all things, And in him, all things hold together. History orbits him. History relies on him is because history belongs to him. The second thing I want us to take is that Jesus is sort of the climax of this story. Verse 38 of our passage this morning says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know. Therefore. When he he uses the word therefore... It means like in conclusion, in summary, thus. So he's, at this point, he's sort of giving us a reason why he's saying all these things. I would know because I used the word therefore like a, a billion times in high school last year when I ran out of things to say. But he uses it. So in other words, he's saying that the point of the entire history I just recited to you, the history of Israel, is Jesus. And that Jesus has come to free us from sin and to save us. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the pinnacle of history. Behold, we see the author coming into his his own story as a character to slay the bad guy. 
How boss is that? And he's come to, to the earth to do something which, which no one else could do, and that is to save us and free us from sin. And the thing is, he isn't finished with this story just yet. As I, as I was saying earlier, the, after Jesus, the gospel comes to the Jews, as Jesus says in John 4.22, I think it is, and he's, he talks about how the salvation is from the Jews. Romans 1.16 says, the, the gospel is the power of God and salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So the gospel goes to the Jews and it doesn't stop there. We'd be in a pretty bad place if it did stop there. And so the gospel moves to the Gentiles. Uh, we see this in Acts chapter 10 where Peter gets this crazy vision of like a big sheet of animals. Sick. You should, I recommend you go read it, maybe in your own time. But we see it here in, um, what is it? Did I lose it? No, I didn't lose it. Okay, here. Um, Verse 45. So he's preaching to the Jews, and the Jews don't don't want to listen to him. And so he says, When the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them, saying boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and you do do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. And so this gospel turns to the Gentiles, and it doesn't stop here either. Uh, the rest of the book of Acts, sort of just, God just explodes the, the gospel through the Gentile world. As, I know it's an awesome analogy, but... And so the rest of the book of Acts is just Peter, God using Peter to invade the Gentile world with the gospel. And it doesn't stop there either. Um, 300 years after that, God saves the Roman emperor and the rest of the Roman empire along with the rest of Europe, England, Sweden, Russia. The gospel spreads to these parts. A thousand years after that, God's still not done. Um, He puts up with the popes and sort of the the heresies that build up over the Middle Ages. Um, He speaks to men like Martin Luther, Calvin, the other reformers, and he sort of reforms the church and pushes the gospel even further into the world, to the Americas, to Asia, to China, to the Pacific. And God sends convicts and settlers with his gospel to Australia, where 228 years later, God continues to preach this gospel through me to you this morning. And although, if God willing, history continues after today, two things will remain the same. That God is the author, the story is his, and it's all about Jesus. The world is his story, we are the characters. But we witness to this great and mighty God with the way we live and by sharing what we have seen and what we know about him. Through our, like, our testimonies, our Jesus stories, the stories of how God works in our lives. But so often we make these stories about ourselves. We sort of replace Jesus with us and sort of say, yeah, Jesus did this, but that's why I'm so amazing. Look at me. You could have this too with like an easy payment or four easy steps or whatever. But the truth is, our lives aren't about us because we can't even command a single heartbeat, grow our own hair. I'm bad, I'm terrible at multitasking, so I'd be a mess if that, if that was the case. But our testimonies should be proof that God is the author of history. And so let me share with you mine. I could start with Abraham and Isaac, but uh, for the sake of time, I won't do that. And so two, 
200 years ago, God sent the gospel to Samoa for the first time. A man named John Williams from England, the London Missionary Society, um, takes the gospel. God uses him to take the gospel into these pagan Gentiles for the first time. And so through the generations, God teaches his gospel to the hearts of these people. Um, God saves my parents, and then God puts me into a God-fearing family where the gospel was preached to me almost daily. Actually, I remember growing up, me and my siblings would hate to bring our problems to my parents and my dad because we knew he just hit us with some Bible verses and some God talk. We don't want, like, we're kids, we don't want that. We just want hugs and some compliments. That's what life's about. But I know it's probably not the most exciting story, but the fact remains that it's not about me. It's not my story. I, I may be in it. My life's probably in it, but it's not about me. It didn't start with me and it wouldn't end with me. All right. Acts, 13, Acts 3 verse 15 says, We are witnesses to the fact that the author of life was killed, was brought back to life. What did it say? You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Friends, we are witnesses to the works of God in Christ throughout the ages. And I believe we must share what we have seen. I mean, like, could you imagine what the Psalms must have first felt when they heard this for the first time? That the person who writes history, who topples kings and empires, who, rise, who raises kings, this person has come to earth and has died so they can be set free. Imagine how they must have felt. I know you're Anglicans, but how do you, how do you guys feel about this? It's crazy. And so, where is it? Verse 40. Verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And so these Gentiles start worshiping, they start glorifying God because, because he is the author of history, and history is proof of his goodness. History is proof that God has done great things. Reminds me of that hymn. It's an old English hymn. If you're Anglican, you should know it. If you don't, we'll have to reassess that. It's called To God Be the Glory. And one of the lines goes, um, Oh, come to the Father through Jesus' Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Brothers and sisters, when Jesus returns or calls you home, when the curtain falls or when the world's, his, the world's story comes to the last page, Two things will still remain. God is the author, and it's all about Jesus. We say here a lot that um, we exist to make all of life all about Jesus, and that's, that's not something we just say to sound fancy or snazzy, Christian-y, or it's a good ideology, but it's, it's truth. Life is already all about Jesus. And so, like the apostles, like the Gentiles, and like other characters in God's story, we witness to it and we worship him because of it. Because our God has done great things and he's saved us. And yeah, amen. Um, I'll invite the band up. 
I'll say a prayer for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us your word and that every time we open it, we hear your voice and we see how you've worked your hand throughout the ages. We thank you that you have come to earth, Father, and to do that, that which no one else could have done, to save us and free us from sin. We pray that by your spirit you guide our hearts, keeping us from believing that it's ever about us, but it's all about you, Father. Help us to make all of life all about Jesus by letting our hearts see that all of history points to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So why don't we all stand? We definitely have some things to sing about today.